Blog Talk Radio. The following program has been assessed a threat level red by the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, it's from that mouth. 
Conservative Watchtower Radio is on the air. Where we keep watch over our Constitution, free markets, private property, and individual liberty. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. But that was... Awesome. <laughs> Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate sinister entity that's at the root of all our problems. Some of these same voices also do their best to gum up the works. They'll warn that tyranny is always lurking just around the corner. You should reject these voices. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Now, here's your award-winning host, Dana Smearman. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. If you're looking for trouble, you came to the right place. If you're looking for trouble, just look right in my face. I was born standing up and talking back. My daddy was a green eyed mountain jack because I'm My little name is Well, I'm evil. So don't you mess around with me. Never looked for trouble, but I never ran. I don't take no orders, no kind of man. I'm only made out flesh, blood, and bone. But if you're gonna start a rumble, don't you try at all. I love looking for trouble uh yeah you definitely came to the right place this week hello everyone welcome to the primetime edition of ye old conservative watchtower internet radio extravaganza this is your humble sometimes sober always entertaining host dana smearman welcoming you to the show tonight yeah we're going to get it lit up tonight we're going to take on some issues hot button issues controversial issues 
Issues we're not supposed to talk about. That's what we are going to do tonight. I've titled this show, Once More Unto the Breach, Dear Friends. Pardon me, my Shakespeare is showing. Yes, can't help myself. It is the it is the byproduct of a classical education. I am hoping that this time around on the program, the 1950s East German technology that uh, BTR runs will hold together long enough for us to complete the program. Yeah, we hope so. We do hope so. But it is wonderful uh, to come to you tonight here, as always, from the conservative Watchtower Studios, deep within the low country of South Carolina, here in the lovely coastal town of Beaufort, South Carolina. And I hope you all are doing well wherever you're at tonight. Just a couple of quick things before we kick the program off tonight. You know, as I get older, and I know I must be getting older, because more and more of my childhood uh, idols, heroes, they pass on. And of course, this week we lost Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock of Star Trek fame, as he passed away from a pulmonary disease. Uh, you know, it's just sad. Part of my childhood, really loved Star Trek growing up. And uh, man, it just means you're getting older. These people just seemingly passing away left and right. I guess that's what happens when you get old. I guess so. Well, tonight's program, as I said before, is going to be controversial. Could cause some trouble, could cause some hatred, could cause some liberals' heads to explode. But that's the whole idea behind the program now, isn't it? Just have a little bit of fun. More importantly, the idea for this program, um, the idea for this program had its genesis in a conversation that I was having with my muse, that being my lovely bride, Mary Beth. We were sitting in the living room having a little conversation here the past week, and I was getting very, very frustrated with the state of affairs in the country. And I'm listening to pundits talking on television, particularly uh, on Fox News and some other outlets. And, you know, I just got upset. I'm thinking to myself, you know what, where's the arguments being made on these important issues of the day? Why is it that we let the media, the pundits, the people in the left-wing media, the people like Karl Rove, the people in the establishment, tell us what we can and cannot talk about? Not only do they tell us what we can and cannot talk about, they tell us how we much approach the issue if we do talk about it. We're told exactly what we're supposed to say, how we're supposed to feel, and I got angry. And, and I just started spouting some stuff off, and my, and my wife says to me, hey, you know what, you ought to go on the radio and rant because pretty much I'm sick and tired of listening to you. So congratulations to her. You get to hear this now because she wouldn't listen to me. As I've said often, this radio program truly is the cheapest form of therapy around. It truly, truly is. Uh, let's see here as we turn. What, what are we talking about? Um, well, I'll tell you something. I was thinking as I talked to my wife, I said, you know what? There's issues of the day, and we conservatives have the answers to the nation's problems. We know what's wrong. We know how to fix it. But yet we hardly ever make the case. Sometimes we allow the people in the progressive left and the establishment Republicans, for that matter, to say, hey, you know what? Don't talk about it. Don't say that. It's about winning elections. It's about political expediency. Well, not on this program. 
not on this program, because sometimes you have to damn well stand up on your own two feet and fight for what you know is right. You fight for principle, not for political points, not because the poll numbers tell you to, not because the focus group tells you to, but because you know deep down inside it is what must be done. So we are not going to shy away from issues here tonight. We're going to talk about gay marriage, abortion. We might even throw in some legalized drug use. We're definitely going to talk about immigration. And we're going to talk about it in a manner that may be considered non-politically correct by today's standards. But that's what we're going to do. That's the program tonight. And for you, my dear friends and colleagues out there, once more unto the breach, dear friends, that's what we go tonight. I do thank you all for being here this evening, and for those of you listening out there, I know there's many people who don't come here live to the program in the chat. You listen throughout your other devices, and some people I know listen in archive. I'd like to welcome all of you, say hello to you as well. Let us begin, shall we? Let's. For about 100 years now, this nation has been sliding ever so certainly away from the principles of our founding. Besides for a very small respite in the 1980s, we have seen a slide towards bigger government, and that bigger government's intrusion into areas of our life it was never meant to intrude upon. Now, I think it would be fair to say that the last six years, we've seen an acceleration of this movement under what I consider to be the most radical administration in American history. Not only has this administration attacked our economic system, but there's a steady erosion of our traditions, customs, and principles that made this country unique among all other nations. If one listens to the pundits of the day, we are led to believe that our nation, the United States of America, has slid permanently to the classification of being a socially liberal country. That's what we're told. As a matter of fact, we were told after Obama's election by Newsweek magazine that we're all socialists now. We are told time and time again, even by some Republicans, that it's now inevitable. We've moved to the left, and we must move with it. It's my belief that this is simply not the case, ladies and gentlemen. You know, throughout my job and my travels, I have the opportunity to talk to many people, people from different backgrounds, different economic status. We have conversations when the opportunity arises, and we talk about the issues of the day. We talk about philosophy. We try to talk a little politics, and I get the sense and the pulse of the American people in the sample poll that I take. I can tell you with great certainty that I believe that this nation is still a center-right nation. A center-right nation. I still believe that. There are lots of good people out there. There are a lot of people who sense that there's something wrong, but they just can't seem to make the necessary connections That's where we as conservatives need to step in. We need to offer them 
the information they need to understand what is truly going on within our society. If there's one failure for the most part, and I'm not going to lump everybody into this, but if there's one failure of the conservative movement is that sometimes we lack the courage of our convictions. Sometimes we're all subject to human frailty. Sometimes we don't like to be labeled as a racist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, or whatever phobe the left tries to pin on us this week. Sometimes we get backed off of principle. Sometimes we don't use everything we have in terms of media to our advantage to take the argument to the people, particularly the young people who are still swayable, ladies and gentlemen. If we are to win the culture war, and let's make no mistake why we find ourselves where we are today. We're in the midst of decades-long culture war that we are losing. We are losing. When you take a look at mass media, when you take a look at what's going on in the schools in this nation, you can see that we are losing the culture war. And some of that has to come to a lack of participation on our part. We need to win the propaganda war against the left. We need to win the culture war because, ladies and gentlemen, that's what it all boils down to. That's what it all boils down to. You know, I remember famously the Clinton administration, I believe it was the raging Cajun there, uh, Carville, who threw out, it's the economy, stupid, in terms of running a campaign, Right? It's all about the economy, and many people on our side, many libertarians, many conservatives, many so-called conservatives, tell us the very same thing. Stick to economic issues. Don't talk about social issues. Don't talk about morality. Stick to economic issues. And what I'm trying to tell people, the culture decay that you see is causing these problems. The moral decay causes the economic problems that we find ourselves in today. How can you separate the two of them out? We need to address all of it. And why should we be afraid of these subjects? I can guarantee you that no matter whether we wish to talk about these subjects or not, during this next election cycle, conservatives are going to be asked these questions. These topics are going to be brought up. So how does one address the situation? How does one address the situation? How does a conservative go about doing what needs to be done? That's what the show is about tonight. That's what we need to start doing. Don't back away from hot-button issues. Jump in. We need to take the gloves off when it comes to some of these tough issues. We've got to stop accepting what the progressives in the Democrat Party and, unfortunately, the ever-growing progressive wing of the Republican Party, what they're telling us. They tell us, don't talk about it. Can't say that. Don't bring that up. We are told that issues such as gay marriage, abortion, unfettered drug use, and immigration, they tell us that's now settled, that the American people have made up their minds on these issues. Right? They say to talk about these issues is, quote-unquote, political suicide. That's how they think. Everything in terms of politics, as this, this is a game. 
as if the fate of the nation, our future is not riding on the decisions that are going to be made. We've got to get away from that, that thinking. We have to speak out against immorality when we see it. We need to speak towards the immorality of gay marriage. We need to speak to the immorality of the utter barbaric savagery that we see across the globe in regards to radical Islam. What they tell us is just relax, be tolerant. It's a brave new world out there. It was Aristotle who said tolerance and apathy are the last virtues of a dying society. When we don't believe in defending principles because we choose to be tolerant of anything, this leads to apathy. It leads to moral decline. A society that's worked so hard, so hard to make things better, to fix wrongs, to be the most perfect society it can be, this apathy eats away at it. We no longer stand and fight we don't, we don't stand and fight the issues that do not bring prosperity to the society. When that happens, it is a nation that is in decline. And I would say to you that collapse is not far behind that. So tonight in the conservative watchtower, we stand up for principle. We're going we're gonna to address the hot-button issues. And while it may anger some, these principles need to be defended... Because, ladies and gentlemen, they are the tonic for the nation's ills. Defend principles with great passion if America is once again to become the shining city on a hill. And it was President Ronald Reagan who said there are no easy answers, but there are simple answers. We must have the courage to do what we know is right. We must have the courage to do what is right. Courage is an important element of any fight. And as I've said many times on this program, you don't just fight the battles that you think you can win, you fight the battles that need to be fought, because that's what principle tells us to do. We stand defiant based on our strong beliefs. We become a beacon to those around us. We become a symbol to others to stand and fight as well, to resist what is happening in our nation today. That is what we must do. So when they throw the issues out at you, why don't we take them on? I don't think there's any hot-button issue right now, any hot-button issue that stands close to gay marriage. Sometime this summer, the Supreme Court is going to hear a case. And in that case, five justices will determine for all 50 states and all 330 plus million people in this nation, they will decide the definition of marriage. We have no way of knowing right now which way the court is going to go. We don't have any idea, honestly, what Anthony Kennedy is going to do. We don't know which way the court is going to go. So now, as a society, with great custom and tradition, a tradition of marriage that goes back thousands of years, 
We wait for five lawyers in black robes to make a decision that could irrevocably change the face of America. And while this case is going to court, and while this argument's been made, many conservatives have sat in their hands and said nothing because they don't know how to respond. They feel afraid to respond. And maybe that's partly because we, we know gay people in our own lives. I have gay friends. I've had family who, who are gay. And so sometimes it's difficult to take a stance on an issue that may be important to them, that they may believe in their heart is something noble. But principle dictates that we stand up and fight for what we know is right. So what do I say about gay marriage? You know what? Sometimes I got caught up in the argument myself. I have human frailty, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I tell you this. I am an imperfect man. And sometimes I began to think, maybe I shouldn't care. Maybe I shouldn't care if two people want to get married, no matter who they are, man, man, woman, woman. Maybe I shouldn't care. Maybe it should be just live and let live. And ladies and gentlemen, I was wrong. The statement I'm going to make on the first hot-button issue of the night is gay marriage is wrong. Let me say it again. Gay marriage is wrong. Now, I know we're not supposed to say this. Once again, we're supposed to be tolerant. Once again, we are supposed to sit down. Shut up. It's a brave new world. Time marches on. But in this case, I can tell you that gay marriage is wrong. Why is it wrong? Well, it's wrong for several reasons, but I'm going to come up with one that will really throw liberals and those who support this issue, probably going to throw a little head spin on them. Gay marriage is contrary to our founding principles. As a constitutional conservative, as a person who calls themselves a conservative, our fidelity to the law of the land, that being our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, and our Constitution – I am telling you that the idea of gay marriage runs contrary to the founding of this nation. How so? How so? Our founding rests upon reason, and it has its roots deeply embedded in natural law. Natural law. Gay marriage as an institution replaces reason for passion because it's something I want. I feel I want. It makes me feel good in some way. I replace the reason. I replace looking at it with reason for passion, and it violates the very idea upon which we were founded. Marriage by its nature tends towards procreation. It doesn't mean that if you're married and you have no children that you're not really married, but as an institution, usually marriage leads to a family. It leads to the education of children and to the well-being of our spouses. When there is a union of two men or two women, this violates what should be self-evident, and thus it violates natural law. Marriage is not just any relationship between human beings, but it's deeply rooted in human nature, and it is governed by natural law. I would suggest to you 
that gay marriage violates natural law. Therefore, I cannot support it. The most elementary precept of natural law is this. Good is to be done and persuaded, and evil is to be avoided. Put simply, this gives us a metric by which we can reason what is morally good or bad. We can know what is good and bad. We can know what is right and wrong. And we then can know that the end purpose of each of our acts, and we know that if we transform the means by which we get there, that this does not allow for the fulfillment of its purpose, the act. Therefore, it violates natural law. Human nature is not malleable forever. Human institutions must fit human nature and it must be subject to natural law. And if we argue this principle, it's not that we're against homosexuals. It's not that we say homosexuals should be singled out. They can't have a job. They can't sit on the bus. They can't order food at the counter. They can't rent an apartment. Right? They can't work with us in the workplace. We are saying, as human beings, our tradition and our understanding of natural law, the acceptance of what we know to be moral, says that marriage should be between a man and a woman. We should be able to stand firmly on this principle. It is not an act of hatred. It is an act of reason. It is an act of reason. We should be able to stand up on that basis alone and fight the idea of gay marriage and not be afraid of the issue. Try to have an understanding of why there should be an objection to the fundamental transformation of one of the most important institutions in our society. Marriage, as I said, has at its ends, usually, to create families. Families are the backbone, a strong family of any society. The stronger the family unit, the stronger the society. Gay marriage is wrong. Why can't we just say it's wrong? Why can't we make that argument? Well, I'm doing it tonight. I'm going to continue to do it. And you know what? There are people out there, God bless you, you can feel any way you want about this issue. That's the wonderful thing about America, well, at least for the time being. But I am telling you, outside of religious dogma, which I have not brought up once in this part of the discussion, gay marriage is wrong. And yet, we're told, don't talk about it. We have young people running around today thinking that they're involved in the next great civil rights movement. I know, I know young people. The reason they've taken up the mantra of gay marriage, one, because we've allowed the culture to decay to a point in which homosexuality in the mass media is now not even, what is it, second nature, right? Always presented, at least from what I have seen recently, in the most glowing of terms, those people who are in homosexual relationships. But, but above and beyond all of that, young people believe that they are involved in a civil rights movement, they want to be involved in some mass movement that will have meaning for them, for others, 
to have a connection with history, if you will. They believe in this issue. This would be a good time and a good opportunity to have a discussion about something as ethereal as natural law, to begin to introduce that into the conversation, but we back away. We back away. As conservatives, we believe in reason and experience, and we know that any time a change is undertaken in a society, there is always the known part of the change, and then there's the unknown part of the change. The next, next thing I'm going to talk about really flips liberals out, because it's the dreaded slippery slope argument. That's what they call it. They marginalize the slippery slope idea. But let me tell you something. Let's look at it. Let's break it down. If we redefine an entire institution to accommodate gay couples and allow them to be married, how is it then that that accommodation cannot and will not be offered to people who want to redefine marriage in other ways? I don't think that it's too far of a stretch to say that there are people out there who are going to say, I believe that marriage should be defined as being allowed to marry my sister. And I know that's radical, and people out there right now in liberal land, their heads are exploding. I get that. But we're talking about legality here. If we redefine marriage completely and say it's no longer a union of a man and a woman, specifically a consenting man and a consenting woman, then it's gone. Believe me, all bets are off. What that does to a society that's already in decline would be shocking as we begin to tear away at the social normals and the mores that underpin our society. We cannot be a virtuous people. We cannot be a moral people when we allow immorality to rule the day. Civil rights issue, that's what I'm told by young people I talk to frequently. I hate to break their little hearts that marriage and gay marriage is not a civil rights issue. It is not. No matter how much they would like it to be. It is not the issue and it is not the equivalent to those in the 1950s and 60s who fought for true civil rights, who fought, who fought for the basic rights of citizenship to fight the basic rights to sit on a bus, to order a meal at a restaurant, to vote, to own property, to do all of the things that we take for granted every day. This is not that movement, to be allowed to go into a business as they choose. This is not, the, this is not a civil rights issue. I don't care how much the left wraps it up in the 14th Amendment, perhaps the most over-abused amendment, in the U.S. Constitution. Each one of these areas I'm talking about is an opportunity to stop, have a debate, and instruct. Stop, have a debate, and instruct. Instruct young people that the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments are meant to be taken together. They are called the Civil War Amendments. And in fact, the 14th Amendment had no other purpose but to give the 13th Amendment, that freeing blacks from slavery, the 14th Amendment was nothing else but to give that enforcement teeth. 
the 13th Amendment in and of itself did not have did not have the language of enforcement. And so the 14th Amendment came along. The 15th Amendment added to allow black men to vote. All of these taken together, all of them read, nowhere, nowhere can you find a serious legal mind to tell you you can wrap up whatever the left wants in the 14th Amendment, whether it be gay marriage, whether it be birthright citizenship, or whatever they're on about today. It is not a civil rights issue. Marriage and the regulation of marriage has always been and should always remain that of the state. That is the state in which you decide, not the overreaching federal state. We have opportunities to talk about these issues. We have opportunities to see. We have opportunities to share information. I am very concerned when it comes to the issue of gay marriage about religion. Religious freedom is, in, is, is vital. That's why it's one of the first things mentioned there, liberals. We've already seen what can happen. If we redefine marriage, I believe it will infringe upon religious liberty, just as Obamacare has. We've already seen in certain cases in Maryland when a church-owned property did not want to hold a gay, uh, a gay wedding – they were sued. They were rebuked by a judge. We've seen those who have religious objections in private businesses being forced to enter into commerce, to bake cakes or to take photographs at weddings that they do not wish to take because they object on religious grounds. A fundamental freedom guaranteed to us in the Bill of Rights. It fundamentally changes the landscape. It changes what America and what our society was supposed to be. And yet many of us sit silent, or in some cases, some of us agree, and it does irrevocable damage to what we in the conservative movement have been trying to achieve. Gay marriage is not a civil right. As a matter of fact, when you take a look at the history of the civil rights, or the, excuse me, the gay rights movement, they did adopt many of the principles early on of the civil rights movement, that of the NAACP, but it's kind of morphed now. Early on, gay activists were really trying to legalize homosexual activity. In places like New York City, where bars being regulated by the New York Liquor Board could pull liquor licenses if bars got a quote-unquote gay reputation, the police would frequently raid gay bars. Gay activists got together to stand up to an overreaching state. They wanted to have consensual sex or enter into activities consensually. They wanted that activity to be legalized, and they fought for that. But slowly over the years, those activists morphed themselves into the Democrat Party. It was no longer about advocating for homosexual activity. Now the challenge becomes to chase that mythical holy grail of equality. They wanted equality. They say they needed to guarantee equality in the workplace. Equality when it comes to being able to rent property, to do basic things that Americans want and need to do. That morphed into marriage equality. And now we are where we are. We're at a point to which... Sadly, it may be out of our hands. Sadly, 
the Supreme Court may decide this issue because they, activists on the court, they may have already made up their minds about how they feel about this ever-important social issue. That's the problem. That's the problem. We've got to make the argument. We have to make the argument for institutions and customs and tradition. The things that human beings anchor themselves to, to understand themselves, to function as a civil society. We need these customs, these traditions. We need to have some things that never change, that remain constant. That's how you moor a society together. That's how you pull it tightly together. And that is the problem. We are being, we are being torn apart with issues like this, and we don't respond to it. How can we not respond? We must respond. That moves us on to hot-button issue number two. You probably thought gay marriage was enough to piss everyone off, right? Well, I, I've got more. Button issue number two. There seems to be some muddled thinking on and some, and some problems as I see it. And that's on the idea of abortion on demand. That's right. Or in the hospital, we have a really nice term called therapeutic abortion. Doesn't that sound nice? Hmm? Abortion where sometimes we stumble up again. We don't know what to say. We take the wrong argument, in my humble opinion. It's funny because when you take a look at abortion, you know, since the inaction of Roe versus Wade, somewhere in the neighborhood of 56 million souls have been extinguished. Now, you got to give it to the left when they go full bore. I mean, when you can outdo Stalin and Hitler, I mean, you are doing some good work, huh? 56 million souls have been extinguished. So when we make an argument, and I hear all the childish arguments that the pro-choice people make. I like that, pro-choice. Yeah, does, does, the, does, the, does the baby have a choice? Not really. So really it isn't pro-choice. When I hear the arguments being made, once again, this is a nation founded on natural law and as such cannot endorse a practice such as this. Natural law leads us to a conclusion that we must protect life, that all entities have the right by their creator, right? And if you don't believe in a creator, we got you covered. That's how wonderful this nation is. We can just say nature if that makes you more comfortable, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, that being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is incumbent upon a nation who founds itself on natural law to stand up for life, particularly life that cannot protect itself. Laws in this country are supposed to be founded on the Declaration and the Constitution, the Declaration, as I said, speaks to unalienable rights. Now, these are rights we possess. They're not conferred upon us by government, Barack Obama, the Republican Party, your mommy, your daddy, directly, that is. We are created, as I said, by God or by nature, whatever you feel most comfortable with. I personally choose created by God, but you can go with whatever you're comfortable with. 
If we are to say that we are created, then from the moment of creation, we have these rights. Let me repeat that for the lame brain liberals. From the time of our creation, okay? That doesn't mean nine months later. Kind of hard to be created nine months after you're conceived, okay? Conceived or conception kind of means created. Sorry, that's the way it is. Just telling you, because I mean, this is, this is some terminology I like to play with. From the time we're created, we have these rights. That should be the end of the story. We can talk about all the other tragedies, the affront that it is, all the other horrible stories, the whole idea of sucking little babies out of a mother's womb. But if we are to remain from, as some people don't feel comfortable making a religious art, uh, argument, let's take a non-religious argument. You have to believe in natural law if you're a conservative. If you do, there's no way you can be pro-choice. There, I said it. Deal with it. You can't be pro-choice and be a conservative. That's it. That's how I feel about it, and I'm going to stick with that. Because if you believe in the founding of this nation, you protect life. Now, that doesn't mean under certain conditions, because we do know that we can deprive someone of their life in certain conditions once due process has been administered. In the case of capital crimes, and certainly, un unfortunately, when we occasionally have to go to war. So if we say, uh, let's on that basis, that we can deprive someone of their life with due process, then in certain cases, when that case is made, the case of the health of a mother, other issues that may come up, there may be time through due process, through the discussion, through rules that we as a society can create, that those situations can be covered but abortion on demand, the simple decision being made to abort fetuses left and right, well, that we can't stand for. Whether the child resides in the mother's womb or not, that child has every right to be alive. That shouldn't be a hot-button issue. It shouldn't even be a complicated issue. Abortion is wrong. Gay marriage is wrong. Why can't we just say those things, be clear, say them, be perfectly clear, and let people know what the alternative viewpoint is? Why is that so difficult? Why is it? And it's this thinking, it's this mushy thinking that pushes ever further throughout our society. We see it cropping up everywhere now. The immigration debate, once again, wrapping itself up in the 14th Amendment which it was never intended, <laughs> because the last time I uh, looked, uh, the people coming from south of the border, coming from overseas uh, on, their, on their visas and flying airplanes in the buildings, okay? And I'm going to make has been abused. Oh, there we go. There we go. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. 
once again, the intrepid BTR East German technology has conked out, and uh, I've been forced to go to the backup system uh, here. Just when you get the show rolling, I guess they just don't like what we're saying. I guess. Hmm. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about hot-button issues. We talked about abortion. talked about gay marriage. I was lightly tripping over towards uh, immigration when we were yanked off the air. As I said, this attitude bleeds over, and now we hear those who support unfettered immigration talking about, what, the 14th Amendment, about how it's all moral to bring in people from all across the globe, even though we don't know who they are, what they're here for, even though some of them don't wish to be citizens but merely wish to take partake in our systems, you know, send money back home, participate in the welfare system. We're told by people like Jeb Bush, hey, they're here for love. Hey, they're more industrious than you. They're more moral than you. And we're supposed to, once again, not say anything because we're xenophobes, right? Yeah. See, this is what this is this is, this is what this is what kills me about these arguments. And many of us don't stand up to it. And I know many of you have been fighting this immigration thing, and you've been fighting it hard, and and I do understand that. But there are some of us out there who just don't get it. Okay, and there are some of us out there who think this is a good thing because somehow infusing the nation with millions of people, most of them who have no education. Most of them have no skills. By flooding them into the country, somehow that is going to go. Somehow it's going to increase our economic production, and we're all going to be live better lifestyles. Now, maybe if you're the head of a company and you're trying to get your profit margin up, yeah, maybe that's good for you. For the rest of us, some of us who can't find jobs, some of us who are having our wages driven down, not so much of a good thing. And on and on it goes. Some people, uh, I guess they're subject to being shouted down by the loony left. We can't have that. We mustn't have that. just can't happen that way. These are important issues exactly. They're important issues to talk about for all those reasons. Some people may not agree. Great, got it. Don't have to. I'm laying out my case. Excuse me. I've laid out my case, and now, if you would like to lay out your case, you certainly can do that. How do you do that? Well, you can reach the program if the technology works, I should say. If the technology works, you can call me at 347-989-8499. You can try the Skippity Skype button, or you can send smoke signals, uh, whatever the hell else is available to us at this point. And uh, you can chime in on any of these issues if you see fit. You can tell me where I'm right, tell me where I'm wrong, tell me to go to hell. It doesn't really matter at this point. I'm pretty entrenched. I'm pretty much sure that, uh, you know, we need to start standing up for what is right. We all know what's right and wrong inside of each individual, except for the very few uh, sociopaths out there. We all know what is right and wrong, okay? All right? And wrong. Okay, so why, why can't we go out and articulate it? Why can't we? Why do we have a problem saying what needs to be said? 
Because every time I turn around in this nation, every time I look, every time I, I check the headlines, every time I look, there's something else. We have a president overseas telling us not to insult the prophet while his progeny go around the world burning it, chopping people's heads off, doing general rape and pillaging, partying like it's 1099, and we're told not to look at that. You know, I, mean, I, I was telling my wife the other day, I said, you know, i got to be honest, I was in high school like back when you actually had to read you know, I know nowadays with all these new common core standards, we took literature out of the equation because, my God, we don't want people learning how to think for themselves and reason, and that would be bad for an overarching huge federal government. But I remember reading George Orwell's 1984, okay? I remember reading the book in our literature class, right? And I thought at the time, yeah, it's a pretty cool story, kind of sci-fi-ish, kind of cool, but it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. We're never going to get like that. We're America, man. Well, this is the United States of America. It can't happen. It can't happen like this. Lo and behold, as my dad once said, if you live long enough, you'll see a lot of things come true. And now I live in a society where literally, big is small, up is down, the giant eye in the sky is watching us, and sometimes kicking us off our blog talk radio shows, I've seen that book come to fruition. So don't tell me these things can't happen. Whatever scenario I think now is the worst-case scenario, believe me, I believe it's possible. Okay? I believe it's possible now. We have to be able to articulate why these things are wrong. Why that redistributing wealth is not only morally wrong, but it's a fool's errand. Now, I know what some of you are going to say. Some of you are going to say that what the problem really is is I'm making a reasoned argument. The left is making a passionate argument, one that involves emotion. And I would say you are correct. But that doesn't mean that you can't win the fight. We have to start taking those arguments apart. We understand what they're going to do. We know what they're going to say. They say the same thing over and over again. We should be prepared and not be, and not be pushed into a corner. Not be afraid. Not be afraid to take these issues on. Because I know, as I look across the country, this is not the same country that I grew up in. Look, I'm in, I know I'm old. I told you at the beginning of the show, I'm getting kind of old, but I'm not that old. I'm not that old that, that the country should have radically changed that much since my formative years in the 1980s. And I guess that's what's the most disappointing for someone like me. I remember the 1980s. I lived, I saw what this country can be when you have a conservative, optimistic person at the head making the decisions. I could see what America truly could be when you unleash the economic forces in this country, when you unleash our military power, when you allow us to be what we were supposed to be, when you truly do aspire to be a moral people. I lived through a time. I'm not saying there wasn't decadence in the 80s, but we were on a different path, a different trajectory. It wasn't that long ago. 
really wasn't that long ago. That's what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to understand, is it too late? A question I'm often asked. Perhaps. I don't know the answer to that. I think that if it's not too late, the the hour is certainly upon us. I know that there's a lot of work to be done, but the main thing we have to do is quit falling into the traps, quit falling for the arguments of the left. That's what we must do. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, you can contact the show at 347-989-8499. Hit the Skippy Skype button if you want to tune in, if you want to chime in, I should say. How about any of these hot-button issues? If you take umbrage with me, if you have a different viewpoint on these issues, you're welcome to share that. You're welcome to point out where my thinking may be flawed, although if you talk to my wife, she would tell you that it's flawed in most areas, quite honestly. And no, actually, it's not me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Losing sound and all that is the that is the magic of Blog Talk Radio, and uh, no, I wasn't getting a refill. Uh, and you're right, no scotch equals no show golf. I do uh, do say that. Let me run down the folks who have taken time on a Tuesday night to come here, share a little time with me and this uh, fine program. Of course, there is Airwaves America. That being that being the great G Ski Rocks, Crackalack, and Bacon Boy. Uh, host of, of his own fine, fine program here on Blog Talk Radio. Um, I know his uh, his daughter was in the hospital. I hope everything is well uh, with her, G-Ski. Wish you the best. We have Iggy. Iggy Mom is here. We've got the COG in the house. Golf Dogs. Ron, the Golf Dogs, here. The man, the legend, you know him, you love him. Right, ladies want to be with him, and the guys all just want to be him. That is Holger Awakens here, also another ranter in labor on the Blog Talk Radio scene. Angry Mom is here, lovely Angry Mom, and then of course we would have to also say that her better half, or actually no, it's the other way around. No way, sorry. She, yeah, yeah she's the better half. No way, ninety is here. Reactionaries of the Reactionary Radio, you might know him on the Friday Night Roundtable Show, uh, Smokey. Here he's part of that roundtable, and of course, uh, my neighbor still, although not as close a neighbor as before, uh, Annie from the Southern Sense Radio Show, which you can I think get on any platform possible. I believe even you can pick her up. I think she's even uh, on Muzak in elevators now. If you get on there, yeah, yeah, I think she is. Pretty sure. But they're all here tonight. I want to thank everybody uh, for being here tonight and thanking all those folks for, as I said, taking part of their Tuesday night to listen to me here on Blog Talk Radio. You know, the show, not as regular as it used to be because, you know, some of us have to work to pay the ever-burgeoning great welfare society bill, but we try to do something as frequently as we can as we look forward to what is going to, I hope, I hope soon be a great American awakening. Is it too late? I don't know, I've been reading a lot lately, and some people suggesting that you're right, it's it's probably too late. We're going to have to burn this mother down. Yeah, I went there, went all gangster. Did you hear me? We're going to have to burn it down and build it back up again. I think there's some validity to that particular point that could be. I know that one of the things that concerns me much about this upcoming election, we're talking about Jeb Bush, is his push for Common Core. Okay. What has happened to classical education in this country? 
been flushed down the toilet the last five decades is what's happened. You guys remember a classical education, right? Teaching students to use their faculties to come up with reasoned arguments, to debate, to explore, to reason. We taught them how to learn. We weren't teaching them what to think. We were teaching them how to learn. It's funny that an educational system that goes all the way back to ancient Greece and Rome, an education system that has taught some of the greatest philosophers, taught our founders for the most part, has been abandoned for this common core whose math I still can't figure out, right? They've eliminated literature, art, music, none of the things that that really challenge human beings. They're all gone out the window. We must read. If we do read, they, they read articles about Obamacare, and they read technical magazines, and nothing to challenge them, nothing to make them think, nothing to speak to the great passion that we all have for certain things. I, as I said, I remember reading Orwell, for goodness sakes, Hemingway. Where's that at? Shakespeare, gone. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it's obvious to me that when you have the feds, who now are involved at every level of everything, now including education, if you want to have a compliant people, chances are they better be pretty stupid. Yeah. You've got to understand if you're going to have a malleable people, if people are going to follow along with the big government rules, if they're going to follow along with systems that can't possibly work, right? if you're going to have a people that will accept the fact that the government who can't run anything can't do it effectively, that a government who can't set up a website is now going to be in charge of the Internet on which it resides, accepted hook, line, and sinker, you've got to be pretty dumb. You've got to be pretty dumbed down to get all of that. You know, I was reading my hometown newspaper here, which is really not good for much, as I'm sure my neighbor Annie will attest. The other day, I was over at the local Chick-fil-A engaging in anti-gay a hate rally at the Chick-fil-A. And I saw the newspaper, picked it up, and I saw their article on net neutrality. And while I'm reading this article, so-called, on net neutrality, it would have made Joseph Goebbels very proud in it, they tout the values of net neutrality like they touted Obamacare. It's going to be wonderful. No longer will Internet companies downshift you. They're not going to cheat you. We're going to regulate it like a public utility. Now, a lot of people, unfortunately, just can't see why that would be a bad idea, right? And if they regulate it like they regulate any other public utility – that the FCC and the FEC, the Election Commission as well, is going to be involved. The idea with a public utility, public airwaves, is that it must be used for, quote-unquote, the public good. Now, if we take the next logical step, we must then determine who gets to say what is the public good. Why, I think you know, that would be Big Brother government. Somewhere down the line, and it always comes down the line, by the way, this stuff is never implemented overnight. It's creeping. It's incremental. When they object to your speech, when they object to what you have to say, they may just shut your website down, shut you down. They may decide that Netflix can no longer show certain things because it's not in the public good. 
who are not quite as bright because they've been dumbed down by 50 years of public education can't quite figure that out for themselves. Meanwhile, the rest of us are called right-wing nut jobs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right-wing nut jobs because we happen to believe that the free exchange of ideas, well, that's just damn well American. There you go. But that's what you need. So we have Common Core for the Jebster, the big Jebster, who has talked at CPAC, looked like a buffoon, by the way. But then again, Jeb Bush always looks like a buffoon because, well, he is a buffoon. And anybody who's associated with my favorite punching bag, that being Carl Rove, I don't think we need to discuss how I feel about Carl Rove. It's a tragedy that in a nation as great as America, this being Jeb Bush, are you telling me? Are you telling me that this is the best that the Republican Party can do? I think not. But as we watch this unfold, we watch Jeb jump in early to suck all the oxygen out of the race, to get all the money, right? To get in before those who maybe don't have the the, the uh, you know the system built in like the, the the Bush family does. We're told now by many people it's inevitable. It's done. Bush is our candidate. And this is the kind of thing that must be fought. And I know here, being in South Carolina, we're going to be pretty up early up in that primary list. And I think it's about time that the conservative movement got busy, started as this process goes along. I don't know how many people are going to jump in, but get into this and get behind somebody who's solid and try to push them across the finish line. Because quite honestly, I'm not saying that's going to solve the nation's ills because we know that not one president's going to fix all this, but you damn well can slow it down and put a bit of a Band-Aid on it because there are some things that need to be done immediately. I would think. I would think. That's right. That's right. We move along here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, about 50 minutes left in this program. And uh, as I said, if you want to call in, you certainly can. You can participate in the time program if you choose to. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, losing the voice tonight. I've been battling a bit of the crud down here. And uh, I won't complain to those people who live up north as to the fact that it's been a little bit cold. Not today. It was lovely. It was 72. But. You know, it was been a little cold for South Carolina, and I think I got a little bit of all that, plus working around sick people. Sometimes you get sick, so battling a little bit of that. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, so the voice kind of coming and going on me tonight. So I know that some people, and I, and I know this because I work with a few of them, um, they are we discussing some of these issues at work as I was beginning to put the show together. I don't think... And I'm going to stand on this again and, and let people know some things just from the small straw polls I do from the people. And believe me, I meet a lot of people of different backgrounds, so it's not like it's just a homogeneous mix. You know, I'm not a xenophobe. I do like people of different backgrounds and all sorts of social strata. And I'm telling you that I don't see the support for many of these issues that they, those in the media tell us that there is. And I think we have an opportunity to make some very valid arguments and to take this thing to the next level in terms of how our movement works. One of the things 
And it's very hard for we as citizens, citizen journalists, however you want to view people who do this sort of work, it's very difficult for us to, to be in the fight the way we really need to be because of the resources involved. But we've kind of ceded much of the media to the left. And there's so many ways, I think, before they completely control the Internet that we could reach out and begin to do some work. And I hope as the future begins to unfold and uh, hopefully the schedule and uh, my work schedule would allow it to become more involved in some different things. You know, I've been talking, you know, recently been very frustrated with Blog Talk Radio in there as we see again tonight the problems that we have and hopefully there might be other platforms available. I know one that RZ has mentioned, taking a look at some things, maybe going to some other platforms or some other ways of putting media out because we need to have some rebuttals and we need to do it in an entertaining way, right? We need to do it in an entertaining way and start recapturing some of the ground that we've lost. We must do that. So there will be some things hopefully coming up soon that we can do, okay, that we can do. All right. Wait, I see we have a caller. I do believe it is the crack and bacon boy. Uh, I haven't talked to this man in a long time. Uh, G-Ski Rocks, is that you, and can you prove it? Of course it is. Bacon, bacon, and more bacon. <laughs> see? There you go. What's up, my man? Man, it is great to hear your voice again. Loving the show. Loving everything yeah. that you got going on, man. This is the bomb diggity. And uh, I was told a long time ago to stop using bomb diggity, but I love bomb diggity. Just like I love bacon. <laughs> so, man. Oh, yeah, it's on and popping. On and cracking. And I'm loving this. Yeah. Because, I, I, I mean, everything that you're saying is exactly true. Because you think about this fight that we've been fighting for the past, Ah, six years or so, um, we've been, I always talked about it, we've been put in this crazy box. And it seems like, it se- now I know amongst your peeps, our peeps, the fam, we're talking, we're fighting, yeah. but it seems yeah. like everybody else is giving up. And, and I, I don't understand it. They talk about, you know, how much this country means to them and, and how much we need to do stuff, but they don't do stuff. And, and that it just blows my mind. I'm I'm angry and upset because just like you talked about, the country that we know of, the country that we grew up in in the 80s and the 90s, I I, I don't see that anymore. And it's scary. You know, it is scary. And it's scary. Do you see how quickly? I mean, I know people say, well, you know, it's been you know 25, 30 years, but you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, Jiski, uh, that's not a long time. And to watch the massive changes that have happened, and and you know, it just seems like I I don't you know I walk out like you say every day I work I don't recognize where we live anymore, I don't recognize the thinking, and you're right we really need to to get on the ball here why can't we make the argument so you and I have talked about this before we you know why can't we make that pro life argument you know why can't we why can't we make the argument against gay marriage on the principles on what's right and wrong. We get caught up, I think, sometimes in the left's arguments. Why do we do that? you have any answers to why sometimes we do that? You know, I have to say this, and some people won't like it. We have a huge problem within us. We have a huge problem within us. The one thing 
that you always notice about the left. The one thing that you always notice about the Democrats is that they don't attack each other. We have a habit of attacking each other. You know, we we talk about the freedom and all this other stuff, but if if you don't agree with uh, my pro life stance, and and you have a problem with me, and and then we fight amongst each other, and it makes us look silly to everybody else. Everybody else goes, "Hey, look, these guys can't even get themselves together. Why should we listen to them?" And then we have a leader that cries. Oh God! And then. When he when he's not crying and he he decides that he wants to be stern, he's talking to us. Yeah, he's talking yeah. to us and how we're the problem. Yeah. I don't understand that we we're the only ones that destroy ourselves. Yeah. We try to make these fights. We 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 try to talk about stuff like this, and and we give everybody a voice. Whether you're a liberal. Whether you're a libertarian, an independent, I don't care. We give you a voice. We talk. We, we try to talk this thing out. But we end up fighting amongst ourselves and destroying all of our points. Even if you had a super great point, mm-hmm. we destroy it by fighting with ourselves. And Absolutely. It, it has to stop somewhere. Well, let me put. Let me bring somebody else in the conversation. I, I think I know who this is, but I'm not sure, so I will not. Uh, I don't want to be presumptuous as they say, G Ski, but uh, we will. I believe this is the the voice of utter reason, Stephen Vandergast. I believe. If I'm wrong, caller, you can tell me. I said this be like you are correct, time sir. I'm wrong today. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm living the dream, sir. How are you doing? Great to hear your voice again. And my two favorites on the same station at the same time. Um, G-Ski, great to hear from you also. Uh, but Smearman, excellent show, as always. Um, I want to start just with with an observation that I think to me is becoming more of a focal point um, as, as I look at the issue. And I think it's kind of expressed in what I saw as a, somewhat of a contradiction in your first two segments. Okay. And at one point in the first segment, you lamented the fact, rightfully so, arguably, that there were going to be five people who were going to make a decision about uh, a, a moral decision that should be made you know, by the country that has historically been made by society. So, so you're you're kind of uh, upset that these five people are going to make a moral judgment about something, and then in your next segment about abortion, you're inviting a moral issue into the arena where they have final say. So, well, my, my my point is this. My point is this. It's no surprise to me that we have a poor time making strong conservative arguments. Because we're asking Republicans to make those arguments. Okay. Republicans and conservatives are not the same thing. We handicap ourselves, in my opinion, in our movement by expecting the Republicans to make the arguments that conservatives should be making and allowing conservatives to have to answer for the actions of Republicans as if they were, in fact, rep- conservatives and not merely Republicans. So we spend a lot of energy, we spend a lot of political energy asking our politicians to make our social arguments. We need to make our social arguments. We need to win those I, social arguments. I, I and, agree. And, and any prohibition any prohibition doesn't work. There has never been a woman who wanted an abortion who didn't get one because of prohibition. Maybe, I'm against prohibition in every situation, every time, absolutely no matter what. But there's a difference between philosophy and politics. 
And we can't ask Republicans to make the arguments of conservatives because they're not conservatives. They're Republicans. Well, a couple things. One, I don't think being conservative and Republican are mutually exclusive. I believe you can. No, but all the great Republicans were conservatives. I'm not not saying they're mutually exclusive. They definitely overlap. But if you you point to a great Republican, and I'll show you a great conservative. First of all, I think unless I was misunderstood or, or misstated or did not make my point clear enough, I was not saying that we need to go back, revisit Roe versus Wade. What I'm saying is kind of trying to get to your point of saying, here's the argument, and the argument that I have been engaged in from time to time with individuals, you know, uh, in public, in the public arena, within the family issue. It was a statement that I see brought up from time to time, and it was just my opinion of how I respond to it, of what I think the moral argument is. I wasn't insisting that a Republican whoever shall it be, make the exact same argument that I'm making. I'm laying it out for conservatives in general. It's just the way that I view the subject, how I look at it from a moral standpoint. So maybe I was not clear during that segment. No, I, I, think, you're, I think you're clear. Maybe I misunderstand you. I, I thought you were saying that you're, you're somewhat upset that the Republicans that we elect aren't making these arguments strong enough and aren't taking no, no, these no. moral stands. No, I did not. That is not what I meant to say. Uh, I believe it wouldn't hurt them. It wouldn't hurt them to make the argument, mind you. It would not. It would not hurt if they if they have that conviction. I'm saying stand true to your convictions. And if you're conviction and you stand on principle, if you're an elected official, then by God, stand on your principle. That's what I'm saying. I'm not insisting that the Republicans do anything, because here's a shock, Stephen. They don't listen to me. I know you're shocked by that. They don't listen to me. Nor do they listen to you, or anybody else for that matter. They do, as you say, what they wish to do. They're a political entity. My point being is there are moral arguments to be made. And when I say moral, I'm not talking always religious arguments, but moral arguments. And, and that's kind of where I was trying to go tonight. It could be very well a failed experiment for all I know, because as you know, I drink a lot. Just well, and, and I know a lot about failed experiments. I don't think it's a failed experiment. It's, and that's my only point. That we, we, shouldn't, we need to have a more realistic expectation about what Republicans can do. And the more conservatives we create in the, in the town square, the more conservatives that we can win that social argument with um, in, our, in our lives and in our communities, the better the crop of Republicans we get are going to be. But we can't have unrealistic expectations for Republicans because, again, Republican is a politician that's a political ideology, conservative, conservatarian, libertarian, whatever you call it. Those are philosophical ideas. A philosophical idea, you should absolutely stand on conviction. A politician, most likely a lawyer, I don't expect them to do that. And, and I, don't, I don't think we should expect them to do that. They need to, they need to represent the Constitution, the letter of the law. We need to represent the spirit of the law. And we do that in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day interactions. Let them represent the letter, and then let us do that. And, and I think the two will complement each other eventually down the line. And the left, forget about them. Uh, I'll tell you, Spearman, you were right. You and I have gone toe-to-toe uh, a couple of times about whether or not it's even worthwhile to engage in the left. Um, you were absolutely right, sir, and I now just say disregard them completely. They will eat themselves. We don't need to. We don't need to convince the thirty percent of people that vote Democrat. We need to swing the forty percent in the middle that just get a lot of bad press about us. So, uh, and I thought choice. that's. You know, I think that's what you were you were trying to do. I mean, I, I obviously that's what your intent was was to try to get those people who may have not made up their minds. And sometimes it's just I don't know if it's the medium we work in, Stephen, where it just seems like you know you you I don't know if we're reaching those people in this medium or not. 
and you know we've had this discussion before, so I don't think it was the idea that was flawed at all. It just you know is what it is in this medium. That's all I'm. Well, and, say. and I think it is. I, I think I was foolish to think I was going to change the idea of an actual vested liberal. Um, they believe as strongly as I do from their perspective, <laughs> and there's, there's nobody's going to ever change my mind. There's nobody's going to ever change your mind. But not everybody has identified and, and said, here is where I stand ideologically. And the term I've always used is lazy liberals that come up through public education and see the movies through Hollywood. They've never thought about it, and it's just kind of a default, oh, yeah, Republicans, they're bad. You know, you know American values or conservative values means uh, fat, rich, old white people who are stealing money off of minorities. None of that is what the, the conservative message truly is. And, and we just can't rely on Republicans to get that conservative message out. So, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. I, you know, I've I've said this before. I mean, G. Ski, you just brought this up a while ago about our crying leader. I'll let you jump. Anything you want to, uh, you want to jump in on? I'd like to give you a moment to respond. Well, you, you know, the only the only thing that I would say about that, and, and I'm very adamant about it, and I'll, and I'll continue to talk about it. Um, what happens is the left knows what causes us to implode. So our elected officials, what's going to happen is they're going to bring up that issue. It's not going to be the people on on the right. It's not going to be conservatives. It's not, not going to be Republicans. It's going to be the people on the left. So it, we, we have to be prepared to address it. And the easiest way to do it, whatever your stance is, you make that statement and move on. Like me, I'm pro-life. Let's move on. You don't right. have to ask me any other questions because pro-life means I'm pro-life, period. There's no other questions. Well, what about the – there's no other questions. I'm pro-life. Let's move on. We should, make, yeah. we should make sure that people understand where we stand. And, you know, if it comes up because, remember, you know, Roe versus Wade, um, it, it was a, a Supreme Court decision. So that means somewhere along the line, you know, some laws were made in regards to that. So it's not right. just a social issue. It's now a political issue also. So people are going to bring it up. We should be able to address it, and we shouldn't implode when it happens. That's what happens. People implode when they ask the question. They go too far. They say too much. There's nothing that you need to say. I'm pro-life. Let's move on. And that, it, that's super easy. Is it reasonable then to use the old Saturday Night Live point, counterpoint, can we just say, Jane, you ignorant slut, and move on? Would that be okay? I mean, I'm not sure how you can do that. Of course on, you can. Okay, I just want to make sure well, because... You but know. you might get in trouble. You might. Well, I'm always, please, I'm always in trouble. Are you kidding me? I'm always in trouble. No, I, I, I see where you guys are coming from. Now, let me ask this because I, I've seen this um, when it comes to other issues. We talk about abortion. You guys saw recently when Scott Walker was hit with the evolution question. You were always going to get questions like this, as you say. Okay. At what point, and so you're just saying, that's it, move on. Is there no time in which, as they kind of force us into these, is it enough sometimes just to say, boom, and move on? I mean, in a case like evolution, it's a little bit more of a complicated issue to say I'm just pro-life, right? I mean, how do you go about when you get ambushed with these kind of questions, it's a question I throw out there because, you know, we're going to see this more and more. I, right. I wouldn't mind. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please, Jiski. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I would just agree. Um, I, yeah, and, and I would, I would just 
I would like to see a refreshingly honest, you know, answer and just, you know, occasionally say, you know what, I'm not informed enough about that to give you a, a, a response right now. Yeah. Or, you know, because that's a huge question. They want to soundbite about evolution. I mean, you can right. volumes and volumes have been written by theologians and scientists in collaboration sometimes, talking about the hand that that they, two things might go hand in hand. I mean, it's such a huge question. Right. You know, or I would go that way with it. I said I will be happy to release to you my 17 volume, you know, assertion <laughs> thus far. And if you would like to play that, here's that. But I'm not going to give you a soundbite about a huge moral, huge giant question so that you can manipulate it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, there again, why are why are our politicians, you know, involved in so many things that have to piss off so many people on such a fundamental level? Can we talk about the gas prices? Can we talk about jobs? Can we talk about things that are tangible and that right. we can all agree on? Because if you're, if everybody's employed, everybody's employed. You know, we can all argue about God and what happens when we're dead, and, and maybe South Park got it right, and it's really the Jehovah's Witnesses, and we're all, you know, in trouble. Damn. But until we're dead, Damn. we don't know. Meanwhile, let's let's get money for the rent and keep the lights on. Right. Well, I just, because, you know, you see it all the time. You, you guys talk about the guys that get, uh, what was the guy in, who was the guy in Missouri? Was it Todd Aiken? Is that the guy who got tripped up on the... Uh, yeah. yeah. On the abortion question? Yeah. I mean, you see things like this that happen. And I and I agree, Jesus. It's a great a point by both of you. I just think that uh, when we start talking about, like I call them hot button issues, the whole point of the show tonight was to talk about the way I approach things. And and you guys may do it much differently, and I suppose we all would. Jesus probably does it with more style. Steven, you are just, you know, you're just who you are. You're just, you're just who you are. That's all I can say. The rambling pothead. Nice. Say it. That's what you want to yeah. say. I'm the rambling pothead. I'm not going to say that to you, man, because I'm, I'm trying to be nicer. I got a New Year's resolution. I'm trying to be nice. Okay? Trying to be nicer, not nice, nicer. But I, well, the point of the show tonight was to just kind of lay out some ideas because this is the way I talk when these issues are brought up. And as you say, guys, sometimes it's not, it's not, we're not the ones bringing it up. You get into the middle of a discussion and somebody's going to bring this up. Somebody talks about a story they've seen on the news or. They read something on the internet, and so sometimes you know you get entangled in conversations. And I just started to want to make a point because as I'm sitting here this week, I'm getting a little frustrated, not with necessarily just politicians, but with some of the pundits and the so-called talking heads who put out a lot of information, and it just kind of frustrates the hell out of me. And that's really what this show was all about. Was like I said, it's cheap therapy. As you guys know, I use this as cheap therapy and get it out, you know. But it was that I want to make an argument because I think. The moral culture war, you're right, Stephen, has to be fought on the, on the street level. But I don't know. Is it, are we fighting that war effectively? Are we doing enough? Because sometimes I just don't know. And that's kind of where – that's kind of what I wanted to do tonight was just, just kind of put it out there. You know, are we winning the war? I don't think so. Are we doing enough? I'll put it out to you, g Are we doing enough? Nope. We're not. We're not doing enough. And I think that we should do we should do a lot more, you know. I, but but the problem is, people like me and you and Stephen and probably everybody in the chat room right now are all working jobs, or you know some some of us are are well some of some of them are retired and stuff like that, and we don't have access to the type of dollars and and the type of funding that we need to do the things that we need to do. Right. You know, and and it's hard for us to catch the ears of those that have the type of money to do what we need to do. Look, we've been doing the blog talk radio thing for what? We've been doing we've been doing this for at oh. least 6 years. Yeah. 
Yeah. We've been doing this for at least six years. Okay. And, True. And, and honestly, um, things haven't changed much. You know, pretty no, much I, all. Right. Yeah, all of our shows we pretty we pretty much have the same amount of people. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's usually the same faces and stuff like that. And once again, we're always preaching to the choir. Much hasn't changed in six years. We 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 were having this conversation six years ago. That's true. We were talking about this true. six years ago. So are we doing enough? No. But the problem is we don't have the access to the type of funding that we need to get this message out. We need that type of funding. We need to become the new media, and we need to stop using blog talk radio and create okay, something right. on our own and, 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 and just blow this thing away. But the problem is, hey, guess what? We ain't got no money. We got to feed true. our kids and, 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 and you know provide for everybody else. We ain't got no money. So what are we to do? I mean, well, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, the blog talk radio idea, you know, I, I come back and I do shows from time to time. I know Stephen has found some frustration in a while. RZ, I know, has, has found frustration in it. And it's just, you're right. I don't, you know, I think about these issues a lot. I think about, as all of you guys do, I'm sure we all ponder on the issues of the day. And you figure sometimes you're hoping that you can just put something out. And, you know, you're just trying to reach perhaps that one poor soul who who just hasn't quite made up their mind. Kind of the idea that I think you had, Stephen, about trying to reach people who, who just maybe don't quite have all the information or maybe they just can't even quite made up their mind. And I think sometimes it is just frustrating that we haven't been able to somehow reach more people. And I guess that's where I guess that's where we are. I know some of us are doing some soul searching about how we're going to continue on and, and do different things. But, uh, you know, I just uh, – I'm like you guys. I try. I try to put as much time as I can. We all work. We do what we need to do. Um I'm not ready to give up. I mean, this is my nation. This is the, this is, to me, this is the last great place on earth. And if if it goes, there's no place to run to. There's no place to go. So, you know, you keep on fighting. Stephen, you were talking about, you know, I know your show. I mean, have you just, are you going to retool? Are you deciding on doing something else? Or are you just, are you just done with the process? Well, my focus is certainly, uh, I'm I'm disregarding the left uh, almost completely. I might occasionally have one gentleman who is on my show frequently enough, um, just kind of as occasional, you know, it's occasionally fun just to hear him. He is at least reasonable, and he doesn't go over the top. Uh, Again, you can't, if you you fine-tune him and you get down to the details, he's still going to say, well, yeah, you're still probably a racist, and you're still somewhat misogynistic, and you're still probably. um, But at least he has a sense of humor, which is very rare on the left. But other than that, I'm completely disregarding them. My focus has become certainly, you know, defining, identifying, and separating those two separate animals, the Republican and the conservative, and trying to understand and, and identify what each objectives are, because the objectives of a Republican are not necessarily the objectives of a conservative. Um, I, I personally believe that there are certain arguments Republicans should only make, and there are certain arguments conservatives should only make. And then we should rely on each other and trust, you know what, he's probably a Republican, so he's probably going to do the right thing on this issue. Um, the question of what we're, um, you know, what, what more we can do, we're all limited within what we can do. And, and certainly, G. Ski's right. You know, money is is the end all be all. Um, you know, for myself, and I haven't really spoken to anybody at all on BTR about this uh, at all, just because I didn't, you know, it was just something I wanted to get accomplished right. um, to see what happens. I've recently completed a, a trade school with a broadcasting school here in Florida. So I'm oh, about cool. to enter the process this month coming up to get an internship uh, into cool. a radio station, and that's going to be my foot in the door. You know, that's one thing that I can do. 
I don't know what other people can do. That, but and that's something that, that was my passion, and this is what I think everybody needs to find: is figure out right. what's your, what's what's your passion, what's your issue, and and somewhere there's somebody else who's interested in your passion. Somewhere there's somebody else who, who who likes what you're into or is into what you're into. And if you feel like you're not doing enough, you know, figure out what your passion is, and then and then somehow work your conversation into that doing that. And and so that's what I'm trying to do. And that's and, and that's you know ideally. Someday in, in five years, ten years down the line, I'll have a bigger audience, and that's what it's all about. Right. And if it's one person, or if it's ten people, or a thousand people, you got to start somewhere. And I still believe the conservative argument sells itself. You don't have to. You don't have to convince people. You just need to point it out to them and be like, you know what? You're probably already conservative. This is, as you said, a right of center country. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, congratulations to you for for doing that, and uh, I think you'll be very successful in that endeavor. Um, you know, I think you've got the talent to to, to get that done, certainly. And uh, we hope that you uh, move right up the ladder and uh, and share your voice. You know, obviously, I always thought you had unique takes on things. And and damn you, damn you if you don't have a damn voice for radio. I hate you, by the way. Just saying. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, G Ski. Yeah, they keep telling you that, but nobody's hired me yet. Yeah. <laughs> they would tell you something. They will. You know what? The whole idea, you know, you get into these internship programs, you start hanging around the right people. You know how it is. Everything in this world is about networking, about, about, you know, getting with the right people, you know, getting that opportunity. My, you know, the only thing I would suggest to you is when you get that opportunity with a man, run, brother, run. You know, don't look back. You know, grab it and go. Right. You know, that's I'll the board off country I, music if I have to. I'll, I'll well, board off country God music bless, if I have to. God bless you, sir. But, you know, I, I really do. I think if you get an opportunity, get your foot in the door, I have no doubt that you will be successful at it. Um, some of us... We're not blessed with all those talents. Some of us are just, well, we are what we are. We're, you know, we are the little people. And you'll remember us one day, perhaps, you know, maybe. Probably not, but you might. You know, I hope. G-Ski, can you believe this guy? You know, he's going to be a big star. He's not going to remember either one of us, quite honestly, uh, is what I think is going to happen. How could I ever forget G-Ski? No, I don't think you could. I don't think you could. I don't, I don't think that you could. And, and while I have you on here, now I know a G-Ski. I mean, how, how is your is your daughter was in the hospital? That's what I was hearing? Yes. Uh, from, from uh, my oldest daughter living here with me. Yes, she was in the hospital. Um, it ended up, she, uh, she got a tattoo because her boyfriend died last June. And uh, she got a tattoo, his name, and all this other stuff. And apparently the tattoo got infected. Um, and it infected her gallbladder. Everything went, everything went south after that. Yeah, she woke me up at three thirty in the morning, and oh. she was, oh, I said, I'm, I'm dying. I gotta go to the hospital. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna drive you. And uh, my other daughter comes up there. She's like, no, nope, she don't want, she don't want you to drive. She wants to go in the ambulance. So I called the ambulance. We went to the hospital. In Man, I hate Obamacare. Oh, my God. I hate Obama. Look, I, I don't mean to take up time, but we were, she was, we got to the hospital at 4 o'clock in the morning, right? She was in the waiting room from 4 o'clock in the morning to um, pretty much 10 o'clock, uh, that 10 o'clock p.m. Um, the next on um, that that same day, ten o'clock p.m. 
And you know, they would take they would take her um to do tests, their you know, MRIs and all that other stuff. They would take her to do tests and they put her right back in the waiting room with an IV in her arm, by the way. And okay. yes, yeah, nowhere nowhere to lay down. She's gotta sit in these these hard ass chairs with an yep. IV in her arm and, and my daughter's but so big and her her arm was just hurting from the IV. I mean it was it was just a terrible experience. And then finally well, we're gonna admit you. So they put her on a they put her on a gurney in a hallway. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so oh. it was a terrible experience. And and my daughter wasn't the only one. There were like three or four people with IVs in their arm and and they were uh they were in the waiting room. I'm like, wow, this is this is nuts. Well, I can tell you it's happening everywhere. I mean, not to get on a side note, but you guys, just, for if you don't know, I work in the in the medical field, and I can tell you right now that we are all experiencing just an incredible influx of patients to the point where we can't handle it all. Um, you know, you've got patients, as you call, we call it being bedweighted. You get stuck in a corner on a gurney somewhere because they don't have a room, or in some cases they don't have a nurse, you know, to staff that area. So you get stuck because people now are accessing the system. I know it's a shock, guys, right? If you incentivize something, you get more of it, I think. is what I don't know. Somebody said that once. So now you've got people accessing the system, and they're doing it at rates that are just – it's incredible the amount of uh, – the uptick, I should say, in the volume that we've seen. But, hey, the government knows best, don't they, guys? We know this. Oh, they yeah. Know best. Yeah, and my, 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 uh, my older brother, him and his family – um, his wife works for the government, and uh, you know they had to get Obamacare. And um, just this year, they found out, say, hey, you know, our premiums are super low, but our deductible nine thousand dollars. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they have a nine thousand yeah, dollar deductible. Thank that you, Obama. That is freaking Obama. insane. Well, you know, hey, look, and I'm sure they're going to do good with the internet. They're going to run that perfectly, I'm quite sure. Oh. So I got no doubt. It's all going to go really good. Right? Yeah, I, I, you know, when you mentioned the fact of the matter that they couldn't build a website, and now these same jack wagons are going to be controlling the Internet. Why do I have um, a feeling that the Internet is going to go the way of the Trabant? You know? I mean, I just, I just have this feeling it's going to happen. I don't know. Call me crazy. Some people do. But, uh yeah, we're going to wind this thing down because, as you guys know, I drink a lot of scotch during the show. I know it shocks you guys. I'm an alcoholic, and uh, it's not covered under Obamacare either, so got to be careful. But I'm going to wind that. Steve, let me uh, throw it to the floor to you for for uh, for a few moments, let you sum everything up, and, and uh, you know, once again tell me how I'm wrong because I love to hear that from you. You know that. I would never begin to assume to tell you <laughs> that you are wrong, sir. I would only I would only suggest that we have experience with the Republican Party, and the Republican Party has constantly disappointed us. The sad point is we need the Republican Party or a party with which we could put a letter next to it, with which it can be present on ballots to win the majority of the electoral colleges. So until we change the Constitution, we have to receive a majority of the electoral college to win meaningful federal positions, obviously the president being the, the most important of the ones that we get from that. We can't rely on the Republicans because they're going to fail us because they're not conservatives. So we need to let them handle the Constitution, exactly what is in the Constitution and nothing else, in my opinion, and then we need to double down ourselves. And that means we need to do a better job telling who we are as conservatives and what our values truly mean. There are some arguments from the left 
that are reasonable arguments in regards to taxation, in regards to uh, – I'm sure there's one or two. I don't know. There's, there are some reasonable arguments that, we, that benefit both of us, that both sides. We need to get Republicans to focus on those, those things that benefit both the entire country. They are there. They're boring bills. They don't have a morality to them. They don't have teeth to them lightly. We don't fight about them too much. If you ask, they're all very important to us. Transparency in government, transparency in election funding, um, accountability in government. Those are all things that everybody in America wants. If we can get our Republicans to focus on those and we fight the other battles, the more important battles, the battles that really matter. It's, you know, it's, a, great, it's a great day in America again. However, we could be living in the decline of Western civilization. Like Spearman, I refuse to go down without a fight. Uh, GC, my best uh, prayers to your daughter. I hope everything's great. And uh, uh, thanks a lot. Hey, Great uh, show hey, as always, Dana. Thanks, man. Before you go, before you take off, are you going to uh, are you uh, teeing up one last show, or have you canceled that whole process together? Uh, I'm probably, probably talking with RZ as they've just had the uh, the combination of of uh, the t- the two networks there. Um, I'm going to see yes. what his schedule is looking like, and I'm not going to uh, presume too much. I was always uh, sporadic on his show, dealing with as you say, life and work and things like that. I got you, um, and uh, and possibly my emphasis might go in a different uh, different direction in this next upcoming okay. month. So um, it's all, all, all very right, much brother. up in the air. But uh, thank you very much. Hey, thank you, man. Best to the family, brother. You take care. That you is too, that is the voice we call him around here, Stephen Vandergast. Now, GC, I got to tell you, that voice—you uh, combine that with that intellect. Is there any way he's not going to be successful? Quite honestly. Oh, oh man, he's going to—he's going to burn it down. He's going to burn yeah. it down, no doubt, no doubt. And I hate he's going to be very I successful. I hate him. I want you to know that. <laughs> All that damn talent and the voice. Hate him. Go ahead. Just, just but, uh, you know, I mean, what can you do, right? I mean, you know, I mean, I got the looks. I guess I can't complain. So there we go. We'll throw it out there. But my brother, let me throw it up to you for a while. Say what you got to say as we roll out of here, and uh, you know, address the peeps as you call them, right? You still call them peeps? Yeah, I still call them. They, they my peeps. Right. They my peeps. Right, Always gonna be my peeps. <laughs> well, uh, I'm doing a show tomorrow. Tomorrow, 9 p.m. Good. Eastern time, and uh, I plan on burning the house down tomorrow. Um, it's on and popping on and cracking. I'm letting everything go tomorrow. <laughs> There's some stuff that. Uh, I wa- I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, and I, tomorrow's the right time for me to do it. So I'm Great. burning down everything tomorrow. No holds bar. I'm I'm, I'm going all out because it, it's about time. So yeah. I'm gonna do what I can, and we're gonna do the doggone thing. So man, I, man, I I love hearing your voice again. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you're still an alcoholic. I'm, oh. I'm still a bacon lover. Um, it's on yeah. and popping, and you're still my favorite racist. You Thank know, God. You always will be. Um, yeah, it's just really, really awesome. Great to see the fam. Good to talk to you. It really is good to talk to you again. I know sometimes we get and we go our separate ways, and you know, life. You know, life is what it is. It, it can get complicated at times, and uh, you know, you, you lose touch with people over time. But I do think about people frequently and wonder how they're doing. So it's good to hear your stuff. They're kicking. And uh, have you cracked the maple bacon whiskey? That's all I want to know. No, I ha- I haven't cracked it, but I'm getting I'm way better than I was. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, there's been so much going on that I I know it's bad, but um, I haven't seen the doctor in a minute. I need to, but I mean everything's going well. My blood pressure's good. I'm feeling good, doing a doggone thing, yeah. and um, I just got to make it official. Um, get a doctor's appointment, make sure. Yeah. That, that everything's all good and I'm busting that joint open. It's gonna be all you, pop do, you know what you have to do, brother. You have to do it on the air. You gotta pop that seal. I gotta hear it being popped. 
right? And you just got to pour that glass. Yeah. That's how you do that. See, and I'm going to pop that seal, it. and also I'm going to make a bacon explosion. If you don't know what that is, that's <laughs> that's three pounds of that's three pounds of bacon wrapped in ground sausage. Oh. It's on it, pop it on it, crack it, and you barbecue. You smoke that joint, put some oh. barbecue sauce on it. It's called the bacon explosion. Look it up. Oh. And I'm gonna bust it open with a bacon explosion. It's gonna be on wow. and popping, and life is gonna be good. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. What? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, we'll be there with you tomorrow night, man. Because I actually, uh, I will be there. I am actually uh, do not have to work for my other family tomorrow night. <laughs> you know, we all have awesome. families we have to work for. And <laughs> I, I want to come over and listen to you drop the mic, as you would like to say, right? Drop the mic, yes, brother. Sir. All right, my man. Good to hear from you. And I will see you then tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. Love you, man. Man, love you too. Take care. That was the great, the awesome Crackalack and GST Rocks. And, of course, Stephen Vandergast on the show. I want to thank him. I want to thank all of you for coming by this evening. Tomorrow night, that's 9 p.m. Eastern over there at that little joint known as G-Ski Rocks and Airwaves America. You can hear him. He's going to drop the mic tomorrow night. Yeah, it's on. Oh, yeah. I don't want him to get too fired up. I've got to take care of his health, but I understand. Sometimes you just got to just got to get it off your chest. You got to drop the mic. I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight. Thank all of you good friends and family. I know sometimes we all may have, you know, moments. Maybe there is some little moment where we think we're not making a difference, but we're, we're going to plow ahead. I don't know if we all know exactly how that's going to be or what mode it's going to end up being, but we're going to, we're going to get there. I know we are. We're relatively smart people. But some of us, when we're sober, better than others. Like I want to thank you all for showing you. Uh, the next show, not sure when it's going to be. Uh, we will let you know if you'd like to partake in this program. I'm not sure what the date's going to be yet because i got to take a look at the schedule. The schedule is kind of full these days. We'll let you know, okay? So I'm going to play the out, the out stuff, and uh, I know it's a little bit early, but we're going to end a little bit early tonight, let you folks get some sleep, get some rest, get on with your life, do what you got to do. So to all of you, I say much love, and we will see you again soon, somewhere around cyberspace, somewhere. Well, I'm certainly grateful for this magnificent washout, a turnout, and uh, now I'd like to say a few words. Hello? I must be going. I cannot say I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. La la. For my sake, you must stay. If you should go away, you spoil this party. I am through. I'll stay a week or two. I'll stay the summer through. But I am telling you, I must be away.
and we will live. Die. Fight, and you may die. Run, and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your bed, many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there are certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes, walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? Yeah.